Hey, welcome to week number four in our series we're calling Plot Twist. We're kind of trekking with and following the story of Joseph and realizing, you know, God can use the good and the bad things in our lives to deliver us to our destiny, that we can fulfill our plan and purpose, even the twists and turns that we find that so often we encounter in our life. And uh, today I want to talk about something as we look at the life of Joseph that if if we don't get this right, this plot twist, if we don't respond the right way, uh, we're going to be stuck, and, and we may be stuck for a very, very long time. What I want to talk about real specifically is forgiveness. Forgiveness and the importance of forgiveness. Now, when, when it comes to this whole idea of forgiveness that's so clear, the importance of it, the power of it in the Bible, uh, next to Jesus himself who forgave those that crucified him on the cross, I I really can't even think of any other life that had more to forgive than probably Joseph. And yet what we're going to find today is that he did indeed forgive his brothers, his family for what they did, the abuse, selling him into slavery, you know, and then he ends up in prison as a result of that. Uh, and, And when he's in a position of power, where he really can deal out some major retribution, he doesn't do it. Instead, he forgives. And, and, and if Joseph can do it, you know what? I think you can do it. I think I can do it as well, because I dare say none of us are going to face or have faced uh, anything close to what Joseph did in his life. So, let me start off uh, by, by saying this. Unforgiveness keeps you stuck in a plot twist longer than anything else. Unforgiveness keeps you stuck in a plot twist longer than anything else. When you have a plot twist in your life, there's often someone responsible for it. And, and so there, there's a person, there's a name, there's a face that often comes to mind. And, and that face, that person needs to be forgiven for us to really move forward. Uh, sometimes it's forgiving the man in the mirror. Sometimes we have to forgive ourselves. But there's always someone somehow attached to that plot twist that caused us so much pain. And, and Joseph had an ironclad reason for not forgiving. He suffered so much. And yet what we're going to see is that he actually did that. So quick review here. This is about 20 years now have gone by since Joseph was literally begging his brothers for his life. When they, they, they caught him, uh, stripped him of the coat of many colors, uh, left him beaten and bloodied naked in a pit, sold him into slavery. About 20 years has gone by where we pick up the story today and and, and now he's faced with, he, he's, God has elevated him through all these plot twists, elevated him to the second most powerful man on the planet. He's the right hand to Pharaoh and actually calling most of the shots in Egypt. And, and he comes face to face again with his brothers. And, and in that moment, he has a decision to make between being stuck in that plot twist or running towards his destiny. 
And that's where we want to pick it up. Genesis chapter 42, verse 6. We want to cover a lot of this story and then we'll apply it to our lives. Genesis 42, verse 6. It says, Now Joseph was the governor of the land and the person who sold grain to all its people. And when Joseph's brothers arrived, they bowed down to him with their faces to the ground. So there was a great famine that was part of how God used Joseph to interpret the dream that Pharaoh had. And when God gave Joseph the interpretation to Pharaoh's dream that there was a famine coming, Pharaoh said, okay, I'm putting you in charge of making all the provisions uh, to set aside what our nation needs and even more than that uh, for this great famine. The famine comes, literally, Joseph's brothers, uh, his family is starving. They come to Egypt to get some resources, to get some grain, uh, you know, that's gonna help them literally to get some food. They're starving to death. And, and here he comes face to face with these brothers that, that meant so much harm, so much evil in his life, and he has the power to just squash them. You know, just absolutely squash them like a bug. And it says in verse 7, As soon as Joseph saw his brothers, he recognized them, but he pretended to be a stranger, and he spoke harshly to them. And like, he, all right, he's going to get some. Here he goes. He's dialing it up. He, he's really speaking harshly to them. They didn't recognize him at all. And he says, Where do you come from, he asked them. And they said, From the land of Canaan, they replied, to buy food. Then in verse 8 it says, although Joseph recognized his brothers, they did not recognize him. The reason for this is, I mean, he probably had his head shaved like an Egyptian. He looked like an Egyptian. He was speaking through an interpreter, so, so he wasn't even speaking a language they understood. So he looked like an Egyptian. Uh, he, he spoke like an Egyptian. He walked like an Egyptian. <laughs> I'm sorry, I had to do that. I'm sorry, I couldn't resist myself. But they couldn't, they couldn't recognize him at, at, at all. And so Joseph remembers this dream that he had, and here are most of his brothers bowing down to him, but the difference is his dream was all of his brothers were bowing down to him, and this is just 10 of his brothers. There's an 11th brother that's not with him, Benjamin. And the reason for that is when, when Joseph's brothers came back to their father, Jacob, and said, that Joseph, they told him, had been killed, which was a lie. Now, J Jacob did just like he did for Joseph. He did it for Benjamin. Benjamin was his favorite. And so he wouldn't let Benjamin go with them on this trip to Egypt to get grain. And so this is really, it's kind of like maybe sort of, but it is not really the fulfillment of the dream that God had given Joseph, that all of his brothers and his parents one day would actually bow down to him. And, and so Joseph imprisons his brothers for 10 days. Kind of like, let, let's see how you like a little bit of the treatment that I ended up having because of your abuse. And then in Genesis 42, 24, it says, he turned away from them and began to weep, but then came back and spoke to them again, and he had Simeon take from them and bound before their eyes, the oldest brother, and, and basically what he says here is, is like, you, you know, you, you got to go get all of your brothers. And, and, and I'm not going to give you anything because you're lying. I, you've got to bring your whole family to do this. In verse 43, uh, chapter, I'm sorry, 43, verse 26, it says, And they bowed down before him to the ground. And, and again, we see this, this picture like foreshadowing of what's really going to happen and then in Genesis 43, 30, it says, Deeply moved at the sight of his brother, Joseph, Joseph hurried out and looked for a place to weep. 
and he went into his private room and he wept there. And, and, and now it's all of them at this point. Benjamin has come back because he'd been holding Simeon and, and now they're all there and all of his brothers bow down and even then he still was like, I can't do this and he, he goes off in private and he weeps. And then he says, listen, you guys go on back and, uh, and bring your father. And, and while they leave, when they leave, he takes a silver cup to one of his servants and he goes, go bury this in Benjamin's suitcase, basically. And so they do that. The brothers leave. Then the servants come and they say, hold on, we need to check your bag. Something's not right. And they find this silver cup which would have been a sign of the wealth the power of Joseph had at that time second in command to Pharaoh himself over all of Egypt the empire of the world at that time and they say they bring him back and say Benjamin you're going to jail because of this and interestingly enough what happens is Judah steps forward one of the brothers and says my life for his Take me instead. And so Joseph says, okay. And and at that point, Judah is imprisoned. And they go back to bring the father. In Genesis 45, 1, it says, Then Joseph could no longer control himself before all his attendants, and he cried out, Have everyone leave my presence. At this point, when now the father, his father Jacob is there. His brothers are all there. Judah's standing before him as well. There's his whole family. And he says, everybody, clear the room. I want to speak to these folks just by myself. Have everyone leave my presence. So there was no one with Joseph when he made himself known to his brothers. Then in verse 2 it says, and he wept loudly He wept so loudly that the Egyptians heard him and Pharaoh's household heard about it. He says, give us the room, and yet there's such an emotional response that Joseph has in this moment that he just breaks down weeping so loudly that the Egyptians can actually hear outside Joseph crying and weeping so loudly. Then in verse 4, Then Joseph said to his brothers, Come close to me. And when they had done so, he said, I am your brother Joseph, the one who you sold in Egypt. Verse 5 of Genesis 45 says, And now do not be distressed. This is Joseph speaking to his brothers. And do not be angry with yourselves for selling me here because it was to save lives that God sent me here ahead of you. There it is again. He says, you sold me here. That's not what happened. God sent me here. That Joseph could look at all that pain, all the hurt, all the betrayal, all the abuse, and his statement was, you didn't didn't sell me here. God sent me here. Powerful, powerful story of forgiveness. And then it goes on in verse uh, 8 of Genesis 45. So then it was not you who sent me here, but God. He made me father to Pharaoh, lord of the entire household of the ruler of Egypt. 
In other words, what Joseph is saying, he's like, you know, really, I'm, I'm kind of, Pharaoh's kind of like my puppet in a way. <laughs> Joseph was the one calling shots, and Pharaoh's like, okay, sounds good to me. Do what Joseph tells you. Amazing, amazing story of plot twist. So here's the big question for you and me. How was Joseph able to forgive the unforgivable? How was he really, how, how was he really able to do that? So much pain, so much hurt, so much abuse, so much betrayal. And, and right when he has that moment, just think about when they're bowing down to him, you, you almost feel like, I, I mean, wouldn't that be the time like uh, Liam Nielsen or, or, or Denzel Washington? You know, that's when you pull out the sword and just cut, cut everybody's head off. That's what we think would be the, the big plot twist. But, but instead, it's, a, it's not just a plot twist. It's a mega plot twist. He forgives his brothers. And he said, you meant it for evil. God meant it for good. Next week, we're going to finish this series. We're going to talk about legacy. And Joseph had a huge, huge legacy that he left. But it was all hinging upon how he dealt with his brothers. Does he retaliate? Or does he forgive? He chose just like you and I have to choose. So how is Joseph able to forgive the unforgivable? Well, I think there's three things that, that are real important for us to consider from this story of Joseph that I think is real important for me, it's real important for you as well. If we're gonna forgive those that are responsible for the plot twists in our life. Here's the first one, Joseph wept. That's why I took the time to read through all the, did you hear how many times, like he just wept? He just emotionally just let it out. He allowed himself to process and grieve what he had lost. And think about it, he, he, whatever it was that he lost, you, you know, he lost his identity, he lost his family, he lost his standing, he, he lost his nation, he lost his community, he, he lost, you know, going to college and finding some beautiful, you know, Hebrew woman to marry. He lost all of that stuff. And, and he grieved all that. He allowed himself to process and to grieve what he had lost. See, if we don't, give ourselves time to, to grieve the loss that we have incurred, what has been stolen from us, what's been taken from us by someone who's responsible for the plot twist in our life. That gap in forgiving and not processing what people have done and, and what they've taken from us, sooner or later that's gonna pop up later on in our life. And so Joseph was real about the pain. He wasn't like, Hey, bros, it was no problem at all. You know, I, I'm totally fine what you did to me. That's not a problem, not a problem. He wasn't like that at all. He didn't slough it off. He, he wept so loudly they could hear him outside. Over and over again, he had to dismiss himself because he was weeping so much. He wept. Joseph doesn't pretend that he's processing the grief and the hurt. He really does process it. You know, acting like someone didn't hurt you when they did is like, it's like taking a serpent into your soul. And sooner or later, that serpent, the venom's gonna come out and it's gonna get all over someone else. That's what it's like if we don't process what's going on in our soul. The hurt, the pain, 
It's like taking a serpent in, and the venom will eventually come out. Later, it will release its poison from inside of you on everyone around you. See, it's really true. Anger is a secondary emotion. Anger is a secondary emotion, and and that means there's something deeper going on underneath, And, and oftentimes, it's unforgiveness towards someone. I mean, even recently, I had to like, talk this through with a with a friend with a counselor but because I was just feeling stuff and I was like I, I need some help here and, and that's the first thing that he said you know ang- anger is a secondary emotion it's not the primary one and he began to ask some questions poke around and sure enough there, there was some real hurt there that I'd never dealt with in my life Joseph wept and, and so let me encourage you make a list just, just, just make a literal, not a mental list, make a literal list of what that someone took from you. What, what, what you lost as a result of what they did, their actions, whatever, their, their involvement in that plot twist. Here's the second thing. Joseph focused on the good. Joseph focused on the good. In other words, he didn't allow himself to be overwhelmed from the bad that came from his pain. He did look at it, he did deal with it, he he did grieve over it, but he didn't just focus on just the bad. He was able to see, even in the middle of the bad, that God was still working in his life to deliver him to his destiny, even through all the twists and turns, even through all the plot twists. This is what later on in the New Testament, God speaks through Paul the apostle in Romans 8, 28, and and puts it this way, and we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him and who have been called according to his purpose. Now, now, this promise is so powerful, but understand, it's conditional. There is no promise, there is no hope for someone that doesn't love God. All the rotten, terrible, painful stuff in life, it just hurts, it just destroys, and there's no good that's gonna come out of it. But, but as a follower of Christ, when I receive Christ as my Savior, God starts working all of it for good, even the bad stuff, for those who love him. Not those that are indifferent to him, not those that have rejected him, for those who love God and who have been called according to his purpose. He's working not only the bad, but also the good, all things together for good. So Joseph wept, Joseph focused on the good, and here's the third thing I think is so important that we understand how Joseph was able to forgive. Joseph didn't rely on an apology from his brothers before he forgave them. You, you know, you do a little study, read, read uh, about Joseph uh, here in Genesis and all throughout where, where there's other times when he's mentioned, you, you know, or referred back to in, in the Old Testament, New Testament, There's no biblical record whatsoever that Joseph's brothers ever said they were sorry for what they did. There's no evidence that they ever even took responsibility or that they even like admitted they'd done anything. But Joseph forgave them. Joseph forgave them. Why would he do that? Because maybe Joseph understood something about the way that God works and God's ways that we need to understand. But before we go a little bit deeper on that, I want to just pause for just a second. And, and this whole idea of forgiveness, it can be really, really tough 
for us to understand what it is and what it isn't. And uh, back in January of 2021, I did a whole message about forgiveness as well. Uh, and, and it was a little different perspective on that. It was called The Heart of the Matter. It's in our archive on our website. You can check that out in January of 2021. But, but in that I shared, and I want to do again a similar list of what forgiveness is not. What forgiveness is not because there's so much misunderstanding about what forgiveness is and what forgiveness is not. So real quickly, forgiveness is not dependent on the offender saying they're sorry. I mean, for some, it's just not going to happen. Holding on to forgiveness, waiting for that defender, the, the offender rather, waiting for the offender to say they're sorry. I'll, I'll forgive when they take responsibility. I'll forgive when they say they're sorry. That's like drinking poison and expecting the other person to die. That, that's what unforgiveness is. It's not hurting them. It's not hurting the person that offended you. It's not hurting the, the perpetrator. It's not hurting the abuser. It's hurting you. Holding on to unforgiveness is like drinking poison and expecting the other person to die. Forgiveness is not dependent on the offender saying they're sorry. Next, forgiveness is not saying what someone did is okay. We don't forgive because, oh, it's no big deal. You know, you can just see the emotion even of Joseph. It was a huge deal. It was a ginormous deal what his brothers did to him and the aftermath of that. And so forgiveness is not saying what someone did is okay. Forgiveness is not the same as trusting again either. It's not the same as, okay, I forgive you, and so I'm just going to let you back in my life to abuse me some more. That's not forgiveness. For forgiveness is a decision. Trust has to be earned over time. And has to be developed over time. When that person proves that they're trustworthy. No, nowhere are we supposed to just blindly trust someone who has proven to us they're untrustworthy. That's, that's not in the Bible. Forgiveness is not a feeling, it's a decision. Forgiveness is not a feeling, it's a decision. So many times in life, especially when it comes to forgiving... Positive feelings tend to follow after forgiveness. They don't typically come before it. I, I, I don't think that Joseph was like, wow, I feel so forgiving today. Hope my brothers show up that I haven't seen in 20 years. I don't think that was the case. He, saw, he was surprised to see them. He remembered the dream that God had given to him. He realized in that moment that God had brought, God was in all of that, he was using the good and the bad in his life to bring him, to deliver him to his destiny. And there was all kinds of emotion when he saw them. And remember, how did it start out? Originally, when he first saw them, he spoke harshly to them. But something happened in between there. He was like, I'm going to get my pound of flesh. But, but then it changed. And he made the decision. He, he played with them a little bit. Okay, let's send one into jail for a while and send it all in there for a little bit and, you know, and let's keep Judah until they all get back and all this. But then he decided, I'm going to forgive. Forgiveness is not a feeling. It's a decision. And, and here's the other thing that forgiveness is not. Forgiveness 
is not forgetting. It doesn't mean forgetting. So, so that's what forgiveness is not, and we talked about that in a lot more detail, again, back in January of 2021, in that message, The Heart of the Matter. But what is forgiveness? Let, let, let's talk about that. What, what does it mean to really forgive so, so that we're clear on it and we understand and so that we can make that decision? Forgiveness is linked in Scripture to, a financial, to financial terms. Think about for just a minute what Jesus said in what we refer to as the Lord's Prayer when the disciples came to him and, and said, Lord, teach us to pray. This is right in there, the importance of forgiveness. And listen to how it's connected to like a financial accounting term. Matthew chapter 6, verse 12, Jesus said this is what we're supposed to pray. And forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. So forgiving, forgiveness is just like someone owes me because of what they've done to me. It's like they owe me amount of money because of what they've done to me. They, they owe me an apology. They owe me to come clean. They owe me to take responsibility for what they've done, what they've done to me. Jesus says, we need to forgive that debt. And not only that, we need to pray. That's part of what we should regularly pray. Our Father, forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. See, here's what forgiveness is. Forgiveness means to release freely of a debt that's owed, pound of flesh, whatever. It means to let go of what someone owes you. That's what Joseph did. He, he, he released them from the debt that they owed really their lives because they left him for dead. He begged them for his life 20 years earlier. In other words, it's, it's saying, I let you go. I no longer demand payment for what you owe me. I'm canceling the debt. That's what forgiveness really is. And there may never be an apology. I, I, I mean, think about it for some, you, you may never see that person again. If you're holding out for an apology, I, I mean, that could have been so, that person may not even be alive anymore. You're not going to get an apology. You're, you're not going to get someone taking responsibility. It's an accounting. It, it, it has to do, it's a financial term. I'm releasing that debt. I'm writing it off. I'm letting it go. I, I let you go. I no longer demand payment for what you owe me. So two steps, I think, in terms of forgiveness. The, the first step is this. List what someone took from you. Let, let me encourage you just real practically. Just literally write it down. Let me give you a few examples. Uh, maybe this is what someone took from you. Maybe they stole your childhood from you because of what they did. Maybe they stole your innocence because of the actions that they took, the words that they said. Maybe they stole your trust in men, in, in all authority, because they were an authority figure in your life and they abused that authority and they exploited you because of that. Maybe they stole your reputation. Maybe they stole 
your friendship, and now you have a real hard time trusting other people because they betrayed you so badly. You always kind of have your guard up. You always have your wall up. Maybe they just have consistently stolen your peace for years because of how they hurt, because of how they've abused you. Make a list because it's real important that we have a specific list so that we know what to forgive and why we need to forgive. And so first step, list what someone took from you. And here's the second step. You ready? Forgiveness. Release what someone owes you. Release them. See, we forgive because we've been forgiven. We, we have to make that decision. We forgive because we've been forgiven. Listen, when, when Jesus was, gave the Lord's Prayer there, and he said, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors, all that Lord's Prayer, there's only one point in the Lord's Prayer there that he gave you and me, and he gave to the Christian church, every, all of his followers, that he actually circled back around to and expounded on it to make sure it was really, really clear why it was so important. And do you know what that was? It was this issue of forgiveness. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debts. And he circles back around to it and look at what Jesus says, Matthew 6, verse 14 and 15. Jesus said, for if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. That's the only point in the Lord's Prayer that he circled back around to and said, I just want to make sure you got this clear. I just want to make sure you understand. If you, as my follower, if you don't forgive others, God will not forgive you. Seems like it's pretty serious. See, forgiveness is a beautiful word when I need it from God, when you need it. Forgiveness is a beautiful word. But when it comes to someone else needing forgiveness from us, all of a sudden, ah, that's kind of tough. That's kind of unreasonable. That's kind of harsh. That's kind of unrealistic. And Jesus says, no, it's not. It's supposed to be beautiful when you're in need of forgiveness and it's supposed to be beautiful. It's meant to be beautiful when someone else is, need, is in need of forgiveness from you. See, I think one of the reasons why for many of us we have a real difficult time forgiving those that have hurt us, abused us, betrayed us is because we've never really received forgiveness from God. You, you, you can't forgive someone else apart from the power of God in your life. And it first starts with receiving forgiveness from God for our sins, for our shortcomings, for the way that we've, we've denied him, we've turned our back on him, we've rejected him for all those things that we've done to hurt other people, all the mistakes we've made, all the sin we've committed. And so, you, you know, it, it, it kind of stands out to me. Did you catch it in the story when Joseph says to, to 
His brother's like, Benjamin has to stay with me because he stole the silver cup that he had planted in there. Judah, who wasn't even the oldest, Judah, one of the brothers, he steps forward and says, take me instead. Take, take me in Benjamin's place. That seemed kind of odd. He wasn't the oldest. Why? Why, why did Judah <laughs> step forward and say, let me go in his place, take me instead. I think it was foreshadowing to Jesus. Jesus is a descendant of Judah. That's why he's referred to as the lion of the tribe of Judah. And just like Judah stepped forward and said, take me instead, Jesus stepped forward from eternity and he said, take me instead. And he went to the cross in your place and in my place and he laid his life down for you and for me. It's a foreshadowing, beautiful picture. Take me instead. Judah foreshadowing the Savior that would come. And that's why you and I are forgiven. It's not because we deserve it. Benjamin didn't deserve that. It's not because we earn it. It's not because we're ever going to be good enough and get right enough. It's because God loves us that much. And I think it's because Judah loved Benjamin. Take me instead. Just a glimpse. Just, just, a, just a quick little flicker of the future, of the incredible, unconditional love that Jesus has for you and Jesus has for me. See, here's the thing. You cannot move past your past if you cannot forgive. You and I will never move past the pain and the hurt and the heartache and the disappointment of the past unless we can forgive. Joseph had a choice to make. He didn't have to do it, but he would not have fulfilled God's purpose for his life. Had he chosen retribution, had he chosen to hold on to bitterness and unforgiveness, instead, he made the decision to forgive. Like I said, for some of us, we can't forgive. There's no way we can because we've never received the forgiveness through Jesus Christ. And so make a list of what you've lost because of those that have hurt you, offended and used you and abused you. And make that decision today to forgive. And what I want to do right now is I just want to just let's bow our heads and let's just pray because God's working right now in this moment. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for forgiveness that has come to us who have received Jesus Christ as our Savior and Lord. And Lord, we know that it's only through the power of the cross of Jesus that we can actually forgive others. So God, even during this time in Joseph's life that we've been looking at today, Lord, give us courage, Lord, to make a list of what someone else has taken from us, how, what we've lost because of someone else's actions. 
And Lord, then that we could forgive because you've forgiven us so much that we would release others from what they owe us and truly forgive, make that decision to forgive others. God, we thank you that we can be whole and healthy and the weight and the, resent, the weight of resentment and unforgiveness can be lifted off of our shoulders today because we choose to forgive just like Joseph did. And right now, maybe you're watching us on our online campus in your home or maybe the break room or in the car. I, I want to give you an opportunity. If you've never before just prayed to receive Jesus Christ, to ask for his forgiveness through his sinless life, his sacrificial death, and his resurrection on the cross. That's how it happens. That's how we're forgiven. The Bible says that if you declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And so right now, wherever you are, I just want to invite you to open your heart to Jesus if you've never done that before. And just... Just repeat this prayer after me right now and receive Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord and his forgiveness for everything you've done, past, present, and future, because of what he did through his life, his death, and his resurrection from the dead for you. Just repeat this prayer after me right now. Heavenly Father, forgive me of my sins. Jesus, thank you for living for me. Thank you for dying for me. Thank you for rising from the dead for me. And Jesus, I receive you today. And I ask you to lead me, to guide me, to direct me by your Holy Spirit from this day forward. And I will follow you. Amen. Amen.